If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today on Horse Chats, I'm honoured to have the youngest, most qualified FEI judge in Australia, who's a three-star dressage judge. Kerry Swan Bates is also a pre-St. George rider, is currently competing amongst her busy life of travelling internationally and doing lots of judging. How are you today, Kerry? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. It's good to talk to you, Kerry. Thank you. I've got to ask you about being the youngest, most qualified judge in Australia, but I'll do that a bit later. Tell me first your favourite quote. Um, I've got several, actually. That's okay, um, yep. My father always drummed into me when I was younger that if you were going to do it, you were to do it properly or not at all. And mm-hmm. I think that's very relevant to dressage riding. Um, and my other one is to hasten slowly. Sometimes we need to take time out and smell the roses. Yep, yep. Now, you talked about your father with your first one. What about the second one? When has that become relevant to you? Probably over the years watching people train horses, often they're in a bit of a hurry um, to get to the what they perceive as their end goal rather than enjoying the journey and letting the horse dictate the pace at which it needs to be brought along. Um, and I think in today's modern world where a lot of people want everything done yesterday, if not sooner, um, it's better that we take a bit of time out and smell the roses and enjoy the journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just dressage, you know, where people are pushing along and, and, and want to get to the goal. You know, it's good to be ambitious. It's good to set the sights high, but um, considering the horse as well. And as you say, the horse will tell you when they're ready. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, starting with horses, do you have an early memory that you might have learned a lesson from or, you know, something that sort of sits in your memory as one of your early memories that's changed things with you? Um, probably not changed things. I always wanted to ride and I always wanted a pony. And after years of nagging at the age of six or seven, I finally convinced my parents that they had better take me to the riding school and, um, (laughs) you know, allow me to start riding. Um, and from there I did on a weekly basis and I had to prove, um, that I was capable of, of looking after a pony myself before I was allowed my first pony. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was bought for me when I was 10. And he taught me a lot of life's lessons because he only had two gears. One was Holt and the other one was Bolt. And you had to be very resilient, um, stay on or get very fit walking as you try to recover your pony from all over the the countryside. So I I made a decision that I was going to try and stay on. And it didn't matter what he did, he wasn't going to beat me. 
and I was going to keep riding even if I did have to walk for miles to find him. <laughs> it was good. Probably taught you to be a bit resilient, did it? It did. And yeah. I think that's one of the beauties of, of um, children having horses, that if you want to succeed with horses, you do have to be fairly resilient because they can be pretty good levels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Now, we're going to go back to you being the youngest, most qualified FEI judge in Australia. What started you judging? Was that something that you were introduced to? I might need to just clarify that. When I yeah. say the youngest, most qualified, I'm only a three-star. We have several five-stars. Okay. But okay. The so the youngest three-star. Yeah, the youngest FEI judge we have in Australia. Um, what started me judging was, um, oh, I'll show my age now, about 30 years ago, mm-hmm. I started working towards my EA Equestrian Australia um, qualifications as a coach. Yep. yep. And one of our trainers at the time, Judy Peel, whom I believe has previously been a guest she on the show, been. Yep. Yep, suggested that um, in order to make me a better all-round coach um, and to see what the big picture was and, and where we were looking forward to the end of our training, would it be a good idea if I started doing some judging? Mm-hmm. So I did a bit of judging and, and rocked up to the exam. Can't even remember what level it was then to judge yeah. prelim and novice, yeah. because they've since sort of changed the, the, sure. the criteria. Um, so yeah, it was sort of considered part of my preparation to do my coach's exam some thirty years ago. Um, I started, I liked it, and it went from there. Okay, okay, and just kept following the pathway and you looking at opportunities that were given to you. Yeah, we're looking at following the pathway. Um, mm-hmm. We're very lucky in Australia in that we do have. Um, a very structured system for judges to develop and, and go up through the levels. Um, and I've recently become um, a member of the EADJC, which is the Equestrian Australia Dressage Judges Committee, mm-hmm. um, where we're sort of involved in, you know, looking at rules and um, reaccreditation and encouraging people to go up through the levels. Um, we also mark the theory papers and I'm also a judge educator and a judge mentor, so I'm in a position where I can um, take people for their exams at the relative state events um, and able to put back into the sport, which I've derived from so much over the years. All right. All right. Now, if someone is interested in becoming a judge, someone who's interested in horses, they might have ridden, competed a bit, they've got a bit of knowledge what sort of core skills or character traits do you think they need to start to become a judge? They need to have good powers of observation. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to look at the horse and rider um, combination and very quickly make an assessment as to what's ticking the box in regard to the correct training scale, where you can make comments that are, are positive and encouraging, but at the same time pointing out things that need to be Um, amended or made better. We'd all like to get 10 for every single movement in our dressage test. Um, And unless you're Charlotte and Vallegro, that's pretty difficult. (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah, uh, the the ability to be able to process information quickly, um, a good grounding in what is correct training, Mm -hmm. and to be able to make that assessment um, and give it a figure out of 10. Um, We can do 0.5 now um, for decimal places to make that assessment and give the feedback for the rider. Okay, okay. All right. Now, thinking about you being a three-star judge, what's the best thing about it? I get to see absolutely fabulous horse and rider combinations. 
Mm-hmm. You get to travel and see them in different states and different countries, which is really refreshing to come along and judge, you know, combinations that you haven't seen before. And the dressage judges are like a second family. Um, you go off at these events and you catch up with people you might not have seen for six months. So it's, it's like having an extended family. So it's a bit of a bonus. You get to see beautiful horses and combinations. You get to travel and you get to have a second family. Yes, it's very encouraging, I think, for anyone who wants to become a dressage judge. You know, you start off. I mean, you've got to give back. It's not just all about getting everything because I know as a judge you do. You put in a lot of hours and you make a lot of, you know, what can be a bit tough decisions. It's not all glory, but I think if you look at what you've achieved and um, the hours that you've put in, it's nice to see that you're getting that reward as well. Yes, look, it is a long process to become an educated judge and Mm -hmm. quite frankly, it never stops. You're always learning. Um, You're always seeing new things. And I think the day that you stop sort of taking information on board is probably the day that one should stop riding and stop judging. But it's lovely to be able to go out and in your job as a dressage judge, point the the riders or the combinations really with the horses in the right direction um, to improve their training and their presentation at the test. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very rewarding um, when you go out and you see dressage done beautifully and you know that those combinations have, have taken on board both the training scale and the recommendation of judges over the years to bring their um, their sport to that level. Okay, okay. All right, now you've talked about Judy, Judy Peel, you know, being a person who influenced you to start judging, and I'm sure she's influenced you along the way. Is there anyone else that you think has really influenced you and um been key in um, your knowledge and your education as a judge? Oh, look, there's there's been numerous people, um, both, you know, from, from training, um, having lessons over the years with yep. my own horses, mm-hmm. um, some of our local Australians. Um, I've, I've been lucky that I've been in the right place sometimes at the right time and that people have come along um, to assist me. Um, Brian Sheffers was one of my early trainers, um, along here at Acton Riding School, which is just up the road from where I live. He spends most of his life in, in Belgium now, but he comes home every Christmas, so it's, it's lovely to catch up with him. Um, he often does commentary at um, the Dressage Festival, but I still have a, a close connection with him, with the horses. Um, Jose Mendez has, has been wonderful um, early on in the piece, um, you know, teaching the high-level dressage movements and, and helping the horses learn passage and piaf. And more recently, we have Peter Fischer, who's a, an ex-German um, master, actually. He, he's been our state squad coach now for probably four or five years, um, and he's been very influential with my training. Um, and other people over the years who I've looked to and, and got a lot of inspiration from because they're just such good riders and so harmonious in their training – um, more recently, of course, we have um, Carl and, and Charlotte. But over the years, Rainer Klimke's tapes, I can remember sitting there watching videotapes of him training back in the 80s thinking, gosh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yep. And Kira, Kira Kirkland is an absolute legend and she's also put out a couple of super books, um, really good trainer. And Huberta Schmidt, I always find him very inspirational. He always seems to strike a, a really good key with the horses that he rides and it, it looks really harmonious and, and fluid. So I suppose all those people over the years have been my major influences. Okay, okay. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, 
that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now tell us about the horse you're competing on now. You've got a nine-year-old Pre-St. George horse. Yes, he's just had his first Pre-St. George start before our season stopped in May. And you've had him since he was a yearling, haven't you? Yes, I bought him in Queensland as a yearling from um, dear old Eleanor Russell, who's no longer with us. Okay, yep. And um, yeah, Chester's a a cute little bay of about 16.2. He's been a little bit quirky along the way, and I'm enjoying him, and he's pretty smart. In fact, I think his IQ is probably higher than mine, (laughs) Um, and and we're ticking along, and he's learning a little passage and piaf at the moment, so we're having a great time. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And what about you've got another young horse as well? Yes, I've, I've, I did actually sell my other competition horse because I was really struggling time-wise with mm-hmm. my judging commitments to keep two competing. Yep. Um, then, I, then in between judging and the off-season, I got a bit bored, so I had a rush <laughs> of blood to the head and rushed off and bought a, a two-and-a-half-year-old. But he's a very big horse um, and he'll take a long time to mature. So I thought, well, I'll... Once he's broken in, I'll, I can just tick along with him in between my judging commitments and um, that'll keep me occupied. Okay, good, good. All right, now thinking about horses that you've judged, what's a horse that might be a bit of a standout? And they don't necessarily have to be at the top of the level, but what's a horse or a combination that you just thought, wow, that's what we're all aspiring to do and one that you you might have judged yourself? Well, I can't say I've actually judged Vallegro, but I have seen him overseas <laughs> on, on several occasions. Okay. Um, and he's he's a real character. Um, even just looking at him standing there in the, the presentation, I, I think he's he's just a lovely horse. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like what I've judged. See, that's a difficult question. We have we have so many very very nice horses, um, and the quality of breeding and the training has, has definitely improved over the years. There's often some young horses. I think, gosh, I wouldn't mind taking that one home, although I don't think it would quite fit in my suitcase. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think I could nail it down to one in particular, but okay. there are still very nice horses. Good, good. Okay. Now thinking about then as a judge, what do you think's been your proudest moment as a judge? Um, I think my proudest moment as a judge would be passing my FEI exam in in Salzburg um, back in December 2016. Um, I don't think I've ever been so nervous in my entire Mm. life. Um, But it was, yeah, it was a a combination of a a lot of learning um, and a lot of study. And, yeah, I I was very pleased to be able to attain that. and, And hopefully I can continue to train and improve and um, my way up to be a four-star judge. Good, good. So moving towards being a four-star judge, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge? What do you think is the biggest challenge to get to be a three-star judge? Well, living in Australia and Mm -hmm. being so far removed um, from Europe, which is sort of like a little bit the mecca of dressage, I'd say the tyranny of distance is the hardest thing. Okay. The volume 
of horses over there. It, it, if you lived in Europe, it's easy to get all your prerequisites and your shadow judging and plenty of judging um, engagements because they, they can travel so so freely within Europe. So mm-hmm. for us, I suppose the hardest thing is getting the experience at seeing really big fields with top combinations. Yep. Um, and, and we've got to go to Europe to do it. Okay. So is that how you did it? You went to Europe? How much can you do within Australia? You can do some of your shadow judgings and sit in here, mm-hmm. but you're better off from an experience level um, to do the majority of it overseas. Okay. So that's that's where I'll be heading next year on a couple of occasions, mm-hmm. um, hopefully to get some extra judging gigs and to look towards doing my prerequisites for my four-star. Good, good. So you'd recommend other people then to get to a certain level and then just say, you know, do a bit of shadow judging here and then if you're keen to start to um, look at connections, look at what you can do in Europe. Yeah, look, our, our A-levels um, who are the right age because there's actually age restrictions to get your FEI accreditation. Mm-hmm. For instance, you, you have to be a three-star before you turn 57. Okay. So some of our, our, our very, very good judges ha- are unfortunately um, over the age limit to start training towards a three-star, but some of the girls who are very competent at A and are working towards their, their three-star um, we've had sort of chat to them and sort of said, you know, to, to really get your eye in um, and see the big fields, um, going to Europe um, is the best place to do okay. that. Good. So that's, and the other, the other hiccup with that um, is that, you know, financially, mm. it's, it's quite an expensive exercise to make numerous trips overseas. Um, and then organise your accommodation and transport, etc. Yeah, yeah. So thinking yeah. about judges starting off, what do you think is a common fault that judges have? You know, and this is judges starting off who want to do a good job, but they're doing different things. What do you see? What can you tell them that can make them improve? Probably the best way to broaden your knowledge, um, other than to watch, I mean, everyone can go on YouTube now and, and see tests, and we have some very good DVDs that have been made um, both in America and, and Stephen Clark, our Judge General, has made a very good series. But to get your eye in and to get a good feel um, for what marks where is to be able to do sit-ins. And all of our judge mentors and judge educators are more than willing um, to help accommodate that. So if you contact somebody who's a, um, a judge mentor or a judge educator and you can ask to sit in with them while they're mm-hmm. judging, particularly good. at the bigger competitions where you have big fields, Yes, would be a really good way. Um, you can be sitting in the back with your note paper and and making notes as you go. And you might think, okay, I'm going to give that a six point five because you're looking at the test as you're going, of yep. course. And then the other the, the judge who's actually senior judge and who's who's actually judging the event might say, no, I'm going to give that a seven. So it just helps you come up with a, a figure in regard to a mark, I should say, in regard to what's happening in the test in front of you. Yep. Get your eye yep. in. Yep. Okay. okay. And to attend as many seminars mm-hmm. um, and workshops as as you can in Tasmania for people who are members of Dressage Tasmania. There's no fee when you're a judge and you go to the the um, workshops, and then there's a very very mo- very nominal fee um, for people who aren't accredited judges. But it, for trainers and riders to go along and see things from the other side of the windscreen mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or the other side of the judge's box is yep. always a good learning curve. Yeah, yep. okay. I think that's good and I think for people that are just doing their national 
exams, really, to get in as much as they can here because it's pretty expensive if you're going to go overseas. Oh, yeah. And look, for national level, we have, you know, some really big competitions, uh, um, the state championships and our national events and our CDIs and things like that have really big fields. So for national level, you can get all the information that you need here in Australia. Mm -hmm. You just Mm -hmm. have to travel a bit around the states. Yep, yep. All right, then. Now, what about the book for our listeners that would complement their training? Well, I'm a real reader. I really Mm -hmm. like to read. Yep. Um, Some of my favourite books um, over the years is Dressage with Kira. Yes. Kira Kirkland. Yep. Um, Real Life Dressage by Carl Hester. Um, But probably my most favourite is The Gymnasium of the Horse. That's by Gustav Steinbrecht, and I'm probably not pronouncing that properly because my German's not that good, but it was written a good 120 years ago, and really things haven't changed. I mean, horses have got a little bit more refined um, and more elegant than some of the horses, but the actual training of a horse correctly hasn't changed for hundreds of years. You know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. People like Gustav have already sort of pretty much nailed it. What about now? You've told us about your young horses or your horses that you're bringing on. What about judging-wise? What are you looking forward to? Um, I've got a couple of overseas engagements coming up, which is always good fun, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to becoming the absolute best judge I possibly can and hopefully being able to encourage our younger judges or our less experienced judges to move upwards and forwards in my role as a a judge educator. Okay, and I think that's a, a great goal to have. It's not just a great personal goal for you, but it's a very good goal for those around you and those judges that are coming on and looking to you to be their coach, educator or mentor. So, so yeah, yeah. well and done. It helps, it helps with the development of the sport. You mm-hmm. know, the, the better the judges, the better the quality. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, it's really good for the development of the sport Australia-wide. Okay, good, good. And what about your philosophy now about judging? What would you like to say about that if you just had to sum it up in, in a couple of sentences about dressage and about judging? Or or what about the training of a dressage horse? Maybe that's more to, um, more to the point, summing up your philosophy about the training of a dressage horse. Well, other than hasten slowly. <laughs> Which is a good one. Listen, yep. <laughs> yes. listen to your horse and be kind at all times. Okay. Every horse learns at a different rate and, you know, every horse has its its um its good and its not so good movements. Mm-hmm. Um so you don't want to be drilling the things that it doesn't do so well. You want to be improving them, but you also want to be um encouraging the horse to become more confident um by letting it do the things it does well. Okay, good, good. If you follow the training scale, you really can't go too far wrong. Yes. Yes, okay. Just wondering, though, this is Judy's training scale or the German training scale? Because you've heard her have... (laughs) She wants to introduce straightness a little earlier. Yeah. (laughs) This is the German training scale. (laughs) Okay, then. the German training scale. And most most people say that comment about both um, straight. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it's it's been debated by many an expert for many a year. Yes, yes. All right. Now, Kerry, we've talked about you being a judge, but you're a coach as well. And I'm sure that if people are listening to your comments about judge and the quality of horses and the philosophy about training the dressage horse, they'll know your, you know, that'll sort of reflect within your coaching. So if people do want to get in contact with you, either judging or coaching, what's the best way, Kerry? 
Uh, probably my mobile number mm-hmm. um, and probably by SMS because I don't ride with the phone in my pocket. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's a bit hazardous. Plus, it's distracting when the damn thing rings. Um, so, yeah, just just contact me on my phone number. Yep. And I'm more than happy to get back to people with any queries. My details are actually on the EA website, as are all judges and coaches. Mm-hmm. So, if people prefer to make contact by email, I'm more than happy to get back to them. And we'll have those details on Horse Chats as well. So, it'll be horsechats.com slash Kerry Swan Bates or go to horsechats.com search for Kerry, K-E-R-R-I-E, or search for Swan Bates, or probably even Swan or Bates would work as well. So you can go there and <laughs> modern, have a bit of a search. Technology. Yes, yes. And that, that'll have all Kerry's details on as well. So Kerry, thanks for talking to us. Really good coming in from that judge's point of view, you know, to hopefully encourage other people to start judging and um, contributing and giving back to the sport as well. That would be lovely. And just remember this, if there's no judges, there's no competitions. Exactly. Because exactly. someone's got a judge. Yep, yep. All right, Kerry, thanks for talking to us and hopefully we'll catch up with you sometime again soon. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 